I'm going to do, let's see, I'm going to do a 15-minute sermon. Miracles. Come on now. Come on, people. <laughs> Believe in miracles. Amen. I, I may not... Uh, I just feel that this needs to be said, and so even if I don't get to preach this in its entirety, I just feel that it needs to be said because it will... It needs to be the crowning thought on top of everything that's been happening today. I truly believe that God wants to speak to us. Two weeks ago, I preached a sermon titled, What Kingdom Are You Living For? Are you living for the kingdom of self? Jeff, I'm still preaching, what gospel do you believe? I started and probably did six or seven sermons on the, our power and our authority and the, the demonstrative evidence that the kingdom of God is here. But there's another aspect that we must take heart to, and that is if the kingdom of God is here now and the power and the authority is here now, then there must be a lifestyle to that kingdom. I believe we've, not deliberately, but culturally and unconsciously in America, we've perverted the gospel. Not, and, and again, I'm going to stress, I, I don't mean deliberately, but we, we, we have added and taken away. We've added the unnecessary and taken away the most important. And we have, in that sense, perverted the gospel. And... For the sake of church growth, we pull out the difficult things and we don't preach them, lest someone might be offended. But here's the problem. Jesus has many names, and one of the names that the Bible gives Jesus is the rock of offense. And either the rock of offense will fall on you or you will fall on it. When you fall on it, you humble yourself and you are broken. The name Jesus will bring offense. The name Jesus is a dividing line. And you cannot take that out of the name of Jesus because then demons will never be fearful and never afraid. You see, because Jesus is who he is, demons will react and they will react in people's personalities and emotions. And so there will always be the opportunity to take offense at the word of God, Jesus Christ. And it is very important that in the pursuit of church growth, getting, we say getting people saved, that we don't compromise the message. Look, even Jesus' disciples, they actually told them one time, you need to change your preaching. Did you know that? Did you know that his disciples actually told him that there were certain things he needs to stop preaching? You think this is a trick question? Jesus had a crowd in front of him. And he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. Now, I'll admit, I probably would have been right in there with Peter. Because prior to the cross, the thought of eating his flesh and drinking his blood was a little bit 
It's just a little bit out there. Can we agree that's a little bit out there? They had not translated the Hebrew faith and a sacrificial lamb to the image of a Messiah who would be king of kings and, and uh, bring them salvation. But Jesus is king of kings, but he's also the lamb of God. Amen. Amen. And so they didn't make that mental uh, uh, adjustment. And the Bible literally says, the gospels say that many people from that day stopped following Jesus. And his disciples said, Jesus, you know, <laughs> you say a lot of stuff that we don't get, but maybe you shouldn't say stuff like this. Maybe they were concerned they've given up their fishing career, the family business. It was their father's business before it was theirs for Peter and John, uh, Peter and Andrew, and then James and John, two sets of brothers. And they're relying on the offerings coming in. Judas had the purse and was stealing from it. And when attendance goes down, so does offerings. If less people want to hear you, so does the offering. And so sometimes in the pursuit of church growth, we compromise the message not realizing that taking away the things that could bring offense are actually the things that will bring people to a moment of decision. And the church needs to constantly be brought to moments of decision. Every day I have to make right decisions. Every day I must adjust my thinking and say, you know what? I am not in agreement with the word of God. I am acting contrary and I need to change. Not the word of God. I need to change. And I must line myself up with what the word of God has to say. Does that sound sound to you? What, are you all upset that you didn't get a gift? Easy for him to say. He got chocolates. Come on, what did I say about responding to me? All right, come on. Thank you, Chris. Show him. He's a newbie. Do it again, Chris. All right, come on. Follow the guy with the bandana. Things that can bring offense are designed in the Holy Ghost to be moments of decision. And if we take that away, we make church so comfortable that even your demons are happy to be there. And I don't want your demons to be happy in this place. And I understand that in the process, if I'm going to preach that way, you might get crotchety with me. That's right. That's what I say too. It's okay. Because you didn't hire me in the first place. He did. <laughs> and the truth is you can't fire me. But he can. And I have to give account. And I don't say that in an obligatory sense. I want to give account. You see, Patrice, I... I pride myself on being a good dad. Not perfect. I've made some stupid mistakes. And at times my kids had reason to remind me. But I want to love them more than anyone can love them. And whether they're 
standing on a pedestal receiving uh, a winner's prize or whether I'm scooping them up out of the gutter because they're broken and their own pain has brought them to a low place in life. I want to be their best cheer squad. I want to love them. I want to believe in them. I want to champion them on and encourage them. I want to be the one who can communicate with them and open them up. And I want to be the confidence so that when they look at God, their father, they don't have to get past this huge obstacle of Rob, their father. And in the same way, I want to be a good shepherd. And I want to speak the truth. Because the devil is speaking lies and he has a lot more preachers. And they're on social media. Almost every person that gets on there, but those that are born again. He's got preachers that will repeat the same garbage that's being said right across the, the media face of this world. And they will promote ideologies that they know nothing about. And so we need to hear the truth. And but before we can hear the truth, we've got to have a mindset that says, I am going to love the truth no matter what the truth is. Amen. And if the truth is going to slap me in the face, I'm going to love the truth because the truth will always be honest with me and the truth will set me free. Amen. Can I get an agreement? So two weeks ago, uh, or several weeks ago, I preached, what kingdom are you living for? And I'm, I posed that question again. What kingdom are you living for? Are you living for the kingdom of self, or are you living for the kingdom of God? I didn't add Jesus to my life. When I got saved, yeah, I added him to my life until finally I became a part of his life. Are you hearing me? And then last week I said, whose business is it anyway? When I preached on uh, whose kingdom are you living for, I, I shared the parable of the Ted Minas and the, this man who was going away, a nobleman. He was going away to be made king and he was going to come back and he gave out 10 minas. And one servant said, here's your minna plus 10 more. And when the man who went away to be made king came back, he said, I'm putting you in charge of 10 cities. This is a parallel of what's going to happen, church. What do you think? You're going to be in white robes forever just worshiping? Life is going to go on the way it was meant to be without sin. Amen. And how we serve God here, if we're faithful and little, he will put us in positions of authority and governance. Religion has besotted our imagination, stifled, stymied our imagination. Read the word of God. Eternity is going to be phenomenal. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And there'll be harmony with animals. And it'll be a phenomenal existence. And there will be people groups. And there will be kings and there will be leaders. And how we serve God here today. You see, you don't understand how much the devil has robbed you with the idea of going to church. No, I want to demonstrate the church of Jesus Christ everywhere I go. If I just go to church, I am losing out on my destiny in eternity. I'll still get to heaven, 
but I'm missing out. I don't want to be the guy who had one minute dug a hole in the ground and buried it there. I want to be the guy who takes one minute and produces ten more. I want to advance my father's glory. I want people to know how awesome he is. I want you to do the same thing. And if I'm not urging you to do the same thing, I'm not being a good shepherd. I don't... I'm not trying to get a crowd so I can preach. I'm trying to get a crowd who will preach. And then last week was whose business is it anyway? And we looked at the parable of a wealthy man who had land and he planted a vineyard. You're his land. He put potential in you. He put a wall around it. He protects you. He put a guardhouse. He's watching over you. He put a wine press in there. He gives you opportunities. And then when he wanted his rent, he wanted a profit. They didn't want to give him profit. God wants to profit from your life. Well, that's obviously a foreign concept. God wants to profit. From, how many of you want to benefit from God? Okay then if this is a two-way relationship, is it not feasible to understand that God wants to benefit from your life too? He has a whole world that needs rescuing. Why are you just sitting on your butt and being happy when you come to church when you could be sharing your testimony at work? You don't have a testimony? Then share somebody else's testimony. Witness. Talk about Jesus. Offer to pray for people. You know what? If you only have half faith, that's better than no faith. And this is what I found. When you're a beginner, God makes up the difference. He requires me to exercise greater faith now because I'm not a beginner. But I find that miracles sometimes happen easier for baby Christians because they only have a little bit of faith and God says, I'm going to help you. Come on, I'm going to step in and do the rest. But as we grow, he wants our faith to be growing. And so now that I have so much more experience, I can't get away with what I got away with when I was a baby preacher. Now I have to work that faith and work the gifts, you see. And so in this parable, um, they didn't want to pay him his rent. So now I'm going to share another parable with you real quick. Luke 12, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, he says to the people, so some guy's wanting Jesus to sort out an inheritance dispute. They're fighting over money. And Jesus looks at him and says, what do you think I am? He said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I'm telling you, be careful that greed doesn't get a part of your life. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's an anti-American message. Now, I'm not against prosperity, nor is God, because God says he will bless us and prosper us. But I am against the fact 
that you could become prosperous and your prosperity will rob you of the greatest riches of all. There's the oxymoron. We want to be prosperous and we could become rich in possessions and absolutely bankrupt in God. I would rather be bankrupt in the natural but be rich in God. Can I get an agreement? Come on now. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. Parables are not folktales. They're not little kindergarten stories so that we can put them in a nursery rhyme. They are parallels of truths that operate in heaven that God wants to have operate on earth. Are you hearing me? Kabish. Me entiendo. I got a better response to Kabish. What are you all, a bunch of dagos in here? I didn't know it. Did I say it right in Spanish? Me entiendo. Me entiende. Ah, I didn't say it right. Uh. Me entiende. Is that right? Okay. They're still not responding. Maybe you should stand up and say it. Say it. Stand up. Say it. Right. They do it for her, not for me. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Okay. So he tells them a parable. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what else can I do? What shall I do? What else can I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, good on you, buddy. You did really good. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. You can live the cool life. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be happy, dude. Enjoy. You've become wealthy. But God said to him, you're a fool. He's talking to human beings. You're a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Now, here's the key. Here's the key. It's the comment after the parable. Are you ready? The key, everybody repeat after me. The key, the key. is the comment, the comment after the parable. You see, the parable sets a picture. It's the comment that Jesus makes about the picture. That is the key. Are you with me? Yes. Watch what Jesus said. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you rich towards God? Are you rich towards God? We, we want God to bless us. We want God to heal us. We want a promotion. We want God to fix up our, our dog's uh, paw. We want God to help us get a better car. We want God to, you know, give me a happy day. We want God to bless us. 
Are you rich towards God? Is God rich because of you? Is God rich because of you? We want God to enrich our lives. We want God to bless our lives. And God wants to do that. But God in the flesh, as a man, he appears and he says, I want to be rich too. I want you to be rich towards me. It's not just about you, 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 you. I have an agenda. I have a purpose. I have a plan. I have a whole world to get saved. I'm glad you're dancing at your party, but will you now get out of your party and help me create an environment where we could get other people dancing as well? I don't know, I read this here and that phrase just smacked me in the face. Are you rich towards God? I actually had a different sermon, half prepared. And in the wee hours of the morning, God said, no, this is what I want to say. Are you rich towards God? And I'm going to speed this up here. Um, number one, we think, well, yeah, I bring my tithes. I bring my offerings. Let me make a couple of points. We're proud of the fact that we bring our tithes. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. Will a mere mortal rob God? You can rob God. You can make God rich or you can rob God. Isn't that a fine paradox? On the one hand, God's saying, will you be rich towards me? Will you make me rich? Roger, what are you going to do about your life to make me rich? You've made you rich, and he's got no problem with that. He helped you make you rich. He's helped you make you rich. Will you make him rich? But not only can we not make God rich, we could also rob God. And it says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And you ask, but how am I robbing you? In tithes and offerings, God says. I want you to notice something. God doesn't call the tithe an offering. He says tithes and offerings. God doesn't call tithes an offering. He says tithes are tithes and offerings are a different thing. Verse 9, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. You can't be guilty of robbing God unless you're withholding something that is already his. The reason why God doesn't call a tithe an offering is because you can't offer me what is already mine. I lend you my car and you bring it out back at the end of the day and you want to throw a party because you did this great magnanimous thing. You gave me my car. And sometimes we come to church with our tithes. I remember one church I had a guy, uh, and when the offerings came out, he, he always made sure he had a $100 bill. And he'd pull it out like this. I swear, I'm not kidding. So that people could see it go in the bucket. I wanted to take his tithes and kick him in the butt. (laughs) 
Sometimes we're so proud of the fact that we're bringing the tithe. Let me make something really clear. If I'm going to preach the word to you, then I have to preach the word to you. God says the tithe is his. It's not yours. You didn't bring him anything. You didn't give him anything. When you bring a tithe, you earn $500 a week and you give 50 bucks, you didn't give him anything yet. You're just bringing back what is his. You earn $1,000 a week, you bring 100 bucks, you didn't give anything yet. You're just giving God what is his. You see, the tithe is a test of honesty and integrity. God doesn't call the tithe an offering. He says, you rob me with tithes, you take my 10%, and then you don't bring me offerings either. Wow. I can't preach a different gospel, sorry. This is the one I signed up for, and if you come back next week, it's the one you signed up for. You can't be guilty of robbing God unless you're withholding something that's already his. He says we rob him when we don't bring the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe. Why does he say the whole tithe? Because God knows human nature ever since the fall. We're going to say, oh, well, uh, I'll tithe on what I have left after my taxes. He said, no, bring the whole tithe. I'll tithe on after my taxes, after my mortgage, after the electricity, because that's what I profit. He said, bring the whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe. And I know human nature. I have one. And we're always looking to cut corners. And I want to assure you that it doesn't pay to cut corners with God. He has got an eagle eye and he sees everything. And what he doesn't see, he reads in my heart. And what God wants, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, who, a person who's not crotchety, they want to give God what is his and they want to give God what is theirs. The tithe is his. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is the storehouse. Do you come here to get fed? Do you come here to get blessed by the worship? Do you come here to hear the word? This is where if you have a crisis, you're going to call these pastors. Uh, this is the storehouse. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there won't be enough room for you to contain it. Point number two, offerings. The offering is what we give over and above the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. The offering belongs to you. I can only offer you something that is mine. I can't offer you something that's yours. And I can't, I have no right to offer you something that is his. Hello? The offering is something that belongs to you. The tithe, put this up, uh, the tithe is a measure of your honesty and integrity to God, but the offering is the measure of your appreciation and gratefulness to God. Take a picture of that. The tithe is a measure of your honesty and integrity to God. You're giving God what's his. Well, Pastor Rob, no, if you don't, no. 
That's why it's an issue of integrity. You could get away with it on a human level. You'll never get away with it on a divine level. Okay? The tithe is a measure of your honesty and integrity to God. But the offering is the measure of your appreciation and gratefulness to God. Why? Because the offering is yours and you offer it to Him. Absolutely. Hang on a second. I'm going to address something that I already told you about. Amen, Pastor Rob. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. It's slapping me in the face, but I want the truth, Pastor Rob. Keep it preaching, Pastor Rob. I need to hear this, Pastor Rob, because my soul is reacting right now. I'm sitting really tight on my wallet because you're going for it and I don't want you to touch it. Preach the truth, Pastor Rob. Listen, if you think I'm out for your money, I don't need your money. God will find another way to give it to me, but you will be poor and you will be bankrupt. Do you think I'm the collector of the tithes? I tithe 10% and then I bring an offering 10%. Everything I tithe, I bring an offering equal to that. That's my offering. God says, I want 10%. I said, I give you your 10%. And I'm going to give you 10% off the top. Not 10% after I take 10% off for you. I give you 10% of mine off the top. Praise God. Good preaching, Pastor. Point number three. This isn't just about tithes and offerings. This is about your life. And I'm going to end. Oh, gee. I'm going to end right now. We think we bring our tithes and our offerings. Yay, I'm rich towards God. Number one, your tithe. You're not rich towards God in bringing your tithe. You're just honest. You're rich towards God by bringing an offering above your tithe. Let's not look for kudos when we just do the honest thing. We we, we want, you know, a grandstand because we did the honest thing. Bringing God the tithe is the honest thing. It's his. We're rich towards God when we bring an offering. How rich are you towards God? We bring the tithe and okay, God, you are a good boy this week. I'm going to give you 10 bucks. I bet you're excited. Don't spend it all in one place, God. You see, we really think that we're the origin of our source. When we understand he's the origin of our source, it's a lot easier to give. He's the origin. I'm blessed because of him. Praise God. Number three, we think we're cool because we bring the tithe, which is already his, and then we bring an offering. Here's 10 bucks, Junior. Spread it around. Why did that go? That shouldn't have gone. Come back, you. There you go. Can I tell you something? God wants your life. 
He paid a price for your life. Church, we got to change. If the church doesn't change, don't even bother voting. If the church doesn't change, don't even bother voting. You honestly think that some guy who's like everybody else, who isn't a person of integrity or born again and full of the Holy Ghost and moving in the kind of wisdom that Daniel moved when he was the second in command of Babylon, you think some guy out there who's got as many issues as you've got is going to turn this nation around? We've got to change. If we don't change, it doesn't matter who you put in the White House. But if the church becomes the church, if we start living the word of God, oh, we come to church, good preaching, I want to hear a good sermon. Oh, that was good preaching. It, do we have good walking? One thing to have good preaching, do we have good living? Are we living the word of God? So my point number three, you want to be rich towards God. Don't pat yourself on the back that you bring tithes. And quite honestly, don't pat yourself on the back that you just bring a big offering either. Because I'm going to tell you, you don't buy God. But you can marry him. And you marry a person by giving them your life. In this crazy, corrupt culture, what I'm about to say will sound wacko, but when, in God's eyes, when you marry, you take away the rights to your life and you give your life to the other person. And when you married Christ, we're like the bride who's holding on to, yeah, but this is mine, and that's mine, and I'll let you come here, but you can't come in here. Your life. And I close with the verse that I started with this morning when Lydia was prophesying. Thank you, Lydia. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit of God who is in you? Whom you have received from God. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Do you really get that? You're just a housing for God's presence. No, we think the house is the whole game. We think this is the story. No, I am blessed to be a vessel that carries the presence of God to the rest of the world. When Pastor Jan and I walked into that hospital room, Chris knew about God, but he wasn't born again. He's born again because he saw something supernatural happen. He saw blood pressure. She died. They resuscitated her. They're saying she's not going to live through the night. Blood pressure, 198. I don't know if you heard what he said out the front. He wasn't Mike. You might have heard it. He said, your presence started to bring the change. An unsaved man, he was unsaved at the time, recognized that the presence of God walked into the room. Do you understand? You are the temple. You're just a house. But you're meant to carry the presence of God. And we make this whole thing on earth about us. 
And God says, if you'll just trust me and make it about me and my kingdom, if you will seek me and my kingdom and my righteousness, I'll add all the stuff to you. It's the core of relationship. Trust me, give yourself. Give everything you are to me and I will give you everything I have. And so, that last verse, do you know? Do you understand? Do you get it? Your bodies are just a house for the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God the Father. You are not your own. I'm the boss of me. No, you're not. Don't tell me what to do. I know my rights. I laid it all at the cross because Rob Scarano in the flesh makes stupid decisions. And my will is usually the worst way. But God's will is always the best way. You are not your own. He paid a price for you. Just like the vineyard, he wants his rent. He wants a prophet. He wants you to make him rich. He wants you to advance his kingdom. He wants you to be a vehicle whereby other people get saved. He wants you to be a vehicle whereby you lay hands on your neighbor. You lay hands on your friend at work and you say in Jesus' name and let God do the impossible. He wants you to be rich towards him. As Americans and as American Christians, we are so concerned about being God, being rich towards us. So God comes in the flesh and he makes up a parable to catch our childish imaginations. And at the end of the picture story, he says, are you rich towards God? That's his message today. Are you rich towards God? You're not your own. You're his. Are you rich towards God? You were bought at a price. You know what price he put on your head? The blood of his own self. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your whole life. Come on, let's stand. Larry, did I challenge you today? Great preaching, great work. No, I didn't ask. <laughs> I said, did I yes. challenge you today? Yes. Good. Thank you for the compliment. But I want to challenge everybody. Now, I'm not singling you out, even though I am singling you out. This is not a word of knowledge. <laughs> Pastor Tom, did I challenge you today? Patrice, did I challenge you today? Dave. Did I get under your skin a little bit today? It tweaked. Then I'm doing my job. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. You understand, church, if I just want to build this place numerically, I know what to avoid. But if I'm going to build you supernaturally, I know where I have to go. Kabish. You got a better response in Italian. <laughs> what can I tell you? 
I got all these Latino people in here and I still get a better response with my Italian. Church, I don't know how long before Jesus comes back, but I've learned this, Zach and Emma, I've learned this. Because over the years I've heard Jesus coming 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, and we get these trends and we get all excited. Personally, I do believe he's coming soon, but this is what I've learned. Live like he's coming today. Planned like he's coming in a hundred years. We owe $700,000 on this building. We're out of parking. We don't have enough space. I can knock out that wall, knock out that wall, and I could sit probably 500 people. We don't have the parking. I approached the banks, and they said, yeah, uh, we're not convinced. You're financially strong enough. You know, I don't want to be the soccer ball on the soccer field. I don't even want to be just a player. I don't even want to be a manager of the team. I'm a son of God. I want to be the owner of the club. And right now they treat us like we're nobody. And so I'm going to the sons and daughters of God and I'm saying, we need to expand the vision of this house. I want to start food pantries. I want to start daycare. I'm praying about God, do you want us to start a school? You know the garbage they're going to teach your little girl? Okay. She'll come home one day and say, I'm a boy. We need Christians to stop playing the game of the world and start doing the business of the Father. And so the last couple of weeks, this message about kingdom is about kingdom living. I show you the power of God. I pass it on to you. I encourage you to use it. We see miracles. You see the presence of God. But are we going to live the life of God on earth. Whose kingdom are you living for? Whose business is it anyway? It's his vineyard. Are you rich towards God? Are you robbing God? Every one of us needs to serve in this church. And if you're not serving, I don't care how much money you bring to the church. You don't pay God off. My body, I'm his, okay? And I will serve him. Don't get angry at me. Don't get angry. We serve. We witness. We tell others about Jesus. We clean toilets. You know, every week I thank all the teams and I mention nursery and I mention the youth and I mentioned this I mentioned that I have a team that comes just to clean the toilets guys can't aim properly say I'm being discreet but you all know what I'm talking about I don't know how it is men get so distracted you know they lose focus they're standing, staring at the wall, and somebody says, hey, hi, Jim. Oh, hi. <laughs> Somebody's got to clean it up. I have people who just come to clean up your stuff. 
Yeah, come on. Let's be real. Get rid of the religion. Stop being a fake. Let's be real. Somebody's got to clean the poo-poo in the bathrooms. Not everybody has a good aim. And I have people who do that. And they do it every week. And you know, it dawned on me during the middle of the week, I was watching them clean, and I thought, I never, I have never mentioned them on a Sunday morning. And they're still here. And you would never know who they are because they don't walk around with a flag that says, I'm the toilet wiper. Not that they would want to, but anyway. Every person should serve in some way. And every one of us should be sold out for the kingdom of God. Because if you're not sold out for the kingdom of God, then some other kingdom is more important to you. Are you rich towards God? I'm done. Father, change us. Because America needs changing. Make the church what the church is supposed to be. So that America and the world has a hope of being what it can be. And Father, I, I really pray. I pray in one, that people will not take offense at this message. And I pray two, that they will take this message to heart. You're asking me to preach stuff that could make me unpopular and I could lose people. Well, I don't care. Because you're preaching stuff that'll make them rich in eternity. If we're faithful here, you'll give us even more. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to get the mind, the imagination of every guy and every girl, from the elderly to the kids. Grab their hearts and help them understand they are not their own. We owe you everything. And if you believe that, church, say amen.